Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. And so uh, this morning I'm um, going to preach a message which is called Complete. So Complete, where... Sorry, let me just OCD this. All right. Okay. Um, We're currently... We aren't currently preaching in a series at the moment. Um, it's a little bit more uh, like one-hit wonders, but uh, Christmas Christmas series is coming soon, um, which is called Unto Us, and we'll start in start in two weeks' time as we get ready for Christmas. But can I can I just say that we believe that this Christmas time? I know Rach spoke about this already with our carols by the beach, but we believe it's such a great opportunity around this time of year to speak to our friends, our family, our co-workers about the greatest hope that there is, Jesus Christ, the greatest hope on this planet, Jesus. And um, our prayer is that you would allow the Holy Spirit to stir you to uh, invite people to Carols by the Beach or invite people to uh, Sunday the 19th of December will be our Christmas service. It's a great opportunity to present um, just the, the story of the gospel, the story of Christmas in the simplest, uh, you know, most efficient way to see people uh, make that decision to, to, to come to Christ. But uh, w- w- would you allow the Holy Spirit to stir your hearts around that and so that he can work on hearts and minds to draw, uh, him, to draw people to himself? You know, uh, recently, only um, just last month in Australia, there was a um, survey conducted by uh, the McCrindle Institute, which is a research uh, institute in Sydney, and they did this whole uh, whole bunch of questions and surveys around the spiritual climate in Australia at the moment. And one of the questions, one of the things that they found was that two-thirds of Australians were likely, with a third of those, so half of those two-thirds being very likely or extremely likely to attend, to atten- attend, attend even a church service if invited by a friend or family member. Two-thirds. Two-thirds said they would be likely, with a half of those saying they'd be very or extremely likely, to attend a church service if they were invited by a family member or a friend. I think so often we let uh, negativity and thinking about, oh, that person would never come, that person wouldn't come to the carols, you know, I couldn't talk to them, to, couldn't talk to them about God. But, but here we find some like hard data research, there's two-thirds of the people, two-thirds of the family and friends and co-workers that I know would likely say yes if I invited them. What, what a challenge and what, a, uh, what an opportunity that is in front of us uh, around this time of year. But uh, before we get all excited about Christmas, I don't know if you've done, uh, I know it's bad because it's supposed to be December, whether you've done like Christmas decorations up already or not, or whether they're coming soon or it's too early. You're like, who are you? Stop suggesting that. You know, well, wherever, you, wherever you are on that, um, before we get to Christmas, um, I'd love to share this uh, passage with you. So it's in the book of Colossians chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through to 10. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. It'll be on the screen behind me. If you do, you can open it up, smartphone, whatever, whatever you're reading the Bible on. But it says this, it says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. I'd love to 
focus our attention this morning, uh, like I said, on that word complete. That word complete. I don't know about you, but that around this time of year, that word complete starts to get a little bit scary, doesn't it? You know, complete and it's synonyms like, you know, completed, finished, done, achieved, ticked the box, crossed that off. Uh, They all start to get a little bit scary around November. Why? Because whether it's your boss, your client, your teacher, your spouse, uh, maybe, whoever it is, there's always pressure around this time of year. Has that been completed yet? Has that been done? Have you finished that project that you said you were going to do? Is that assignment in on time, high schoolers? Oh, it's getting to that crunch time. Have you studied for exams yet that are, that, that are coming up very, very soon? It all starts to get just a little bit scary at the moment. You know, has that contract been signed? Is the proposal finished? Is the end of year budget done? Has your end of year review happened yet? This whole idea about completeness around the end of the year can start to get us a little bit nervy, a little bit, freak, a little bit freaked out. Because, you know, maybe at the start of the year, you set some goals as a family or as an individual, maybe some health goals, maybe some study goals, maybe some things. You know, this year, 2021, we're going to, you know, finish the kitchen at our house. We're going to do this or this is, this is going to happen. And now the reality is setting in that it's November, that maybe these things won't be complete. Maybe you've been saying to yourself since about June, summer bodies are made in winter. And now you're like, oh no, it's two weeks to summer, time to get on that low-carb, organic, plant-based, probiotic, intermittent fasting, um, uh, what else, fat-burning, two-week diet, because summer is coming pretty fast. I, I don't know where you're at, but you know what, it's pretty easy to get to this time of year and go, uh-oh, this is not complete, this is not done. But it, you know, what, whatever it is for us, I'm sure we would all be able to find things in our lives that are not complete yet. And so for some people here, you actually don't care. And that's great because you're a starter. You're like, completing? Who cares? I started something. I had a thousand ideas. I did this. And, you know, if you're married here, usually, hopefully, a starter tends to be married to a finisher because it just sort of works in combo fairly well. Others, no one, no one agrees? Okay, anyway, we won't, we won't go there. But wherever you are, um, whatever your personality type might be, there's a satisfaction that comes. There's an achievement that's felt and a security that's realized in finishing, in, in, in something being completed and done. And so we just read about this in Colossians, and because I've talked a lot, I'll read it again because you've forgotten the verse that I, that I said. But it, verse 9, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God, in a human body, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. You see, originally Paul was speaking to a church that, it was, that was located in a place called Colos, and uh, that, that book of the Bible is also a letter written to uh, a place called Laodicea. And he's instructing uh, these, these Christians, these, these followers of Jesus here, not to be deceived or carried away by the philosophies that come from human thinking, the spiritual powers of this world. In fact, in the previous chapter, Paul has declared the supremacy of Jesus Christ, that he is above all, that he is in all, that he has conquered sin, that he has conquered death. In fact, he said that Jesus holds the entirety of the universe together. 
He isn't a side project. He's not a bit of religion or a bit of a faith just to sort of try and get us through. But actually through Him, the Bible teaches, everything that we see, everything that we don't see, um, that they're all created through Jesus, originating in the Father and then being created through the Son, Jesus Christ. So, so, Paul, so if Paul is saying that all this authority, all this power, all this completeness is found in Jesus Christ, then let's remind ourselves of that verse that says that so you are also complete, how through your union with Christ, through your union with Jesus Christ. You see, because of God's unconditional love displayed through the giving of Jesus and then Jesus' sacrifice for our life, like we just talked about at communion, we are complete in God. We're complete in God because of what Christ has done. And like Rachel said, we don't usually share that often, the most you know, famous scripture uh, in the whole of the Bible, John 3.16, but we don't obviously communicate very well, but then we do communicate well, is that um, I've got here John 3.16, that's what it's all about. So we just came around to communion. For God said, love the world. Why, what did he do about it? That he gave his son, Jesus. That we are complete because of the love of God being displayed in the giving of his son, Jesus. There's something about a completeness that's there. And, you know, as, as, as we're thinking about this, uh, this topic of completeness, um, I, I'm laughing because, you know, we've obviously recently uh, renovated this building. And it's complete, it's done. But if you were to really look, or if you were involved in parts of how it was done, you would find a few little flaws you would find a few little things that are just missing some paint. You might find a blind somewhere that wasn't quite the right length, so it just needed to be blocked up a little bit. So like, stay. I see your head's turning to where it is. I know that you know, that you know where it is. You can find it later. You, there's, there's, some, there's some things. And isn't it that way, you know, whether it's something around uh, your home or somewhere else, particularly if you've been involved in it, that when we put something together, whether it's painting or major renos or gardening or simply just trying to, you know, do that demonic evil practice of putting together an IKEA flat pack, like whatever, whatever it is, when you put something together and there's something just a little bit off or maybe not completely straight or maybe not completely centered, um, usually, now this differs on probably on your personality, but usually your eye is drawn immediately to that. Do you know what I mean? You can walk into maybe your living room and you look and you're like, it's, it, the, the majority of it is brilliant, but then there's this one patch. There's this one now that you're like, you know, it was at the end and you're putting the picture frame up and you're like, I don't care. It's just going up. And someone's like, it's not that straight. No, if you lean like this, then it, then it, then it is straight, you know, but automatically... How often does our eye just jump straight to that? It, just, it just, goes, just goes straight there. And so often we tend to live our spiritual lives a little bit the same way. In the grand scheme of things, our room has come together pretty well. But we're forever focusing on where we're failing, 
or not meeting maybe our own unrealistic expectations or not meeting the expectations of others or maybe even not meeting the expectations we think others have of us but really they don't it's just a you know something that we've thought through and so and so there's this glorious renovation that's been going on maybe in our hearts in our relationships, in our families, in our marriages, in our, our spiritual journeys uh, with Jesus Christ, yet we consistently get our eye drawn back to the negative or get our eye drawn back to where we haven't measured up, where we haven't made it, the you know, bad choice we made about this or the you know, whatever happened over here and what our response was like. We're forever getting drawn to the negative when there's a whole amazing renovation that God has been doing on the inside of your life. And Paul is speaking through this scripture, not only to the original audience of first century Christians, but to to us here today, thousands of years later, he's saying, don't forget that all of who God is dwelt in bodily form in Jesus Christ. And not only that, but we have been united together with him. That is who, with Jesus, that's who we've humbled our lives to follow, is Jesus, our Saviour, And our Lord, therefore, we are complete in Him. Therefore, we are complete in Him. Even though we may look around our lives and see the imperfections, see the many areas of development that's needed, maybe even some areas which are like a total mess. You know that room at your house, you're just like, people are coming over, shut the door. All right, we're not looking in there. You know, whatever whatever it is, we've all got one of those probably. Um, But wherever it is, we're complete in God, not because of ourselves, but because of Him. You see, God doesn't accept you because of what you've done. He accepts you because of what Christ has done. That's, 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 that's what the deal is. That's what, make, that's what uh, makes following Jesus so different than every other religious idea. The others are about working enough to attain the, you know, the right state of mind or you know, letting, letting all of desire go so that we can be at peace and one with the universe or you know, ticking the boxes and making sure we've prayed enough or done enough of this or done enough of that to, to get to God. But we serve a God who came down to us. He didn't expect us to climb the ladder of performance to get to Him, but we serve a God who came down to us because God doesn't accept you because what you've done. He accepts you because of what Christ has done. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 says it like this. It's just so good. We have to read it. It says, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. We are complete in Jesus Christ. We're complete in Jesus Christ. But I hear some of you thinking, well... If we're complete, this is awesome. And you're thinking already, well, what about all this stuff you've been talking about over this last year about like spiritual practices like prayer and worship, about, about ser- serving others? Like how does, how does all that work in together if I'm complete already? Well, like many things in God's kingdom, there are tensions that don't get resolved on this side of eternity. They're not like a problem that needs to be fixed, but they're a tension that needs to be balanced and managed. And so there's this, um, there's this way of saying, it sounds confusing at first, but let me, let me explain it in Christian thought that says this, I am saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. 
You're like, oh, wow, that's confusing. What, what does that mean? Well, let me try and uh, break it down for you. I am saved. That's what we're talking about now. That because of Jesus Christ and our belief in Him, we have been taken from living a dead life of sin to becoming united in Jesus Christ's perfection and relationship with God. Uh, Ephesians 2.6 says it like this really good example. It says, For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. See, I am saved right now. We have a confidence that if for whatever reason my life came to an end today, I have a confidence that in eternity that I am saved, that I will be with God. But not only am I saved, but at the same time, I am being saved. Well, what, is, what does that mean? Here's the, here's the tension. Not only have I been made right with God because of Jesus, but at the same time, because I'm in a life-giving relationship with Jesus, He's shaping me and forming me to become more and more like Him every day. There's a transformation that's taking place. Sometimes it's fast. Sometimes it feels like it's taking forever. Sometimes it feels like it's taking forever because God's trying to draw you into a, a, a new closeness with Him. There's an invitation from God that says, come even closer to me. That's why it feels like it's hard. That's why it feels like it's long. Sometimes it feels like it's hard and it's long because you're making stupid choices. Sometimes it's felt long in my life because I've been doing dumb things, because I've been holding wrong attitudes, because God's just been there lovingly tapping the foot going, you're an idiot. Come on, just hurt, just, just hurt. Oh, we're going around that mountain again. Okay, I'm still here, been here for a long time, going to keep waiting here. You know, that's, that, that, that's fine. Sometimes it's slow because of that. But not only am I saved by God's grace, not only am I being transformed by His grace. But that third one there says, I will be saved. I will be saved. What, what does that mean? Well, when this earth passes away, which it will, some people think soon, but just a little side note, every generation has thought that Jesus is coming back in their generation. And you know what? He might be coming soon. We, 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 we don't know. We live as if He is. If someone ever tells you they know the time and the date, run hard and fast the opposite direction. <laughs> Because they're a cult. They don't know when God's coming back. The Bible is clear on that, that no one knows the hour. No one knows the time. But whenever it is, whenever Jesus returns, whether it's our lifetime, our kids, our grandkids, our grandkids, grandkids, or, you know, whatever. But whenever it is, Jesus is returning to rule and reign in power. Not only that, but the Bible says that God is coming back and He is going to create a new heavens and a new earth that creation will be returned to its original design and we will live in perfect union with God forever. So not only am I saved right now, I'm also being saved, I'm being transformed more into who God wants me to be each and every day. But at the end of my life, at the end of this age, when the book closes on this world, I will be saved and I will live in eternity, forever, in perfect union with God and the new heavens and the new earth. How, how rich is it to be in this relationship with God? How much confidence? There's so much there, but it starts with this understanding that I live, I live out of this relationship with Jesus 
that makes me complete. No matter what I've done, no matter what I've faced, no matter what's going on in my world currently right now, I'm complete in Jesus Christ. Now, if you've been a follower of Jesus for many years, I don't want you to switch off because maybe that whole last part, you're like, yeah, I know that. Uh, I know that. I can recite that. I, I say yes to that. Uh, you, you might think, that's great. Can we just move on to some of, some, of the, some of the deeper things? But I'm like, this is the foundational thing. And this should impact our life each and every single day, each and every single moment. I, I know for me, if I'm being self-aware and not just, you know, pushing and driving through the day doing, doing the things, there are multiple times, upon multiple times, when I'm like, why, why, why am I thinking like this? If I'm complete in Christ, why, why is my thought pattern going that way? Where, where is this response, this person coming from? If I'm complete in God, then that should, that should change that. Or, or why am I feeling tense? Or why am I trying to prove myself to him or, 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 or to her? Or, or why is that comment from that person bothering me so much? If I truly think and if I truly take a step back and go, you know what? There's something of the completeness of Christ that has not yet been formed in me. Because if it was that wouldn't cause me to respond like that. That wouldn't cause me to do that. That wouldn't cause me to blow up or that wouldn't cause me to turn in if that's, you know, if that's my mode of operation. Or that wouldn't cause me to, to, to you know, push people away if I was complete in God. Uh, I got to listen to uh, Dr. Keith Farmer, who's an uh, Australian pastor, psychologist, theologian, has been for, for many, many years the, uh, just the other day on a Zoom meeting, and he said this, uh, so powerful. He says, there is no deeper need we have in life than to receive unconditional love from somewhere. He said, the receiving of unconditional love makes us secure. Without it, we are insecure. We will search it out by looking for conditional love based on our performance or based on our intelligence or based on our success or maybe based on our appearance or, or a myriad of other things. But we find this unconditional love of God, we find it in Christ. But in Christ, we're complete because Jesus was God's unconditional love sent to my life, sent to this world, sent this planet. Do we live in that completeness and that security every day? If we're honest, most of us say, probably not. Maybe some days, yes. Five out of five, next day, oh, that one sort of you know, took a nosedive there somewhere. But, but are, are we pushing in to go, God, I, I want to live in that completeness of who you are, in that completeness of your love? And so as we start to get ready to finish, but not, but not quite yet, I'd love to give you just a couple of pictures that help us with, with how should this look in our lives? How should this impact who we are? So number one is this, is that that completeness that's found in Christ should give us, number one, a sure foundation. Jesus had just finished giving his uh, life-defining message known as the Sermon on the Mount, and he finishes with this metaphor. I'll read it for you from Matthew 7, verse 24 through to 27. He says this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house 
on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Notice in this metaphor that the winds and the rains come to both houses, both lives, whether they're built on the words and the teachings of Jesus or not, have trials and tragedies. Both houses have grief and loss. Both houses have heartache and things that just plain suck. Okay, they have things that happen to their lives, but there is a difference. There is a life that is solid through all of that because of the, found, because of the foundation. And once again, it's not because of our own doing, it's because of who Jesus is. It's because of Jesus Christ, our sure foundation. When we remember that we are complete in Jesus, it makes us immovable, strong, able to stand no matter what. And maybe right now today you're facing some current challenges and maybe you're realising that there's been some areas where you haven't placed your, where, sorry, where you've placed your trust in something or somewhere other than God alone. But there's an invitation this morning again from God's Spirit to come and place our trust in Him. Come and place our trust in Him. You see, even right at this time, I was um, uh, listening to a great pastor and thinker who's a bit of a cultural analyst as well, a guy named Mark Sayers in, uh, in Melbourne. And he was talking about, for the, about the last 30 years in the West, we have generally lived in what he called the age of smooth. So sociologists say that starts from about 1989 with the fall of the Berlin Wall. And then since then, basically in the West, if you had the resources, you could do whatever you want. Be like, you know what? I want to get on a plane and go to LA tomorrow. Do I have the money? Yes. There's five flights to choose from. I'm on. Let's go. Oh, I just saw, you know, my friend with these uh, really cool sneakers on uh, when we're out tonight. And so I've got home and I want to make sure that my sneakers next week are better than theirs. So I'm just going to jump on Amazon and I'll buy them. And I've done primes. They turn up in three days and they're like, they're just there. You know, generally, I know some of those things are like pretty, pretty new, but generally for the last 30 years in the West, if you had the resources... If you wanted to do something, you just went and did it and you could make it happen. But we now live in a different age. Very small case in point that you'll probably laugh at, but maybe that's the reason I'm telling you. But, but anyway, um, the other day I managed to break our iron that we got as a, um, was it engagement or wedding gift? Engagement gift, all right. So the iron is... Um, 16, 17 years, 17 years old, uh, I managed to break it. And it was Wednesday and we had our awesome volunteers celebration night on uh, Wednesday night and I had to actually iron a shirt for it. So I'm like, oh, quick, I better get an iron. So where do you go? Of course, I went to Kmart. Now, because, because we don't live quite in the age of smooth, this is definitely first world problems, I walked into Kmart, I'm like, awesome. This time, I'm not going to buy the cheapest one possible. I'm going to get something a little bit fancier. I may even spend 20 bucks on it. Look out. Look out. And so walking to Kmart thinking, there'll be a lot to choose from. And I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but you walk in and there's shelves where stuff's supposed to be and there's not stuff there. You're like, what, what is going on with the world? Like there's always stuff where I, we've lived in this age of smooth. There's always stuff where I want stuff to be. Anyway, I got there. And there was one type of iron to choose from. It was the $7 Kmart 
uh, version. Now, I had no effort. That was one Kmart. I didn't go to another Kmart. I didn't go to another store. Why? Because I'm used to going to one place, not having to look anywhere else, having five options and going, oh, yeah, I'll take that one now. And so I got my $7 Kmart iron, and actually working reasonably, reasonably well, considering, and walked out. But I think for many of us, and I say that not to talk about Kmart irons, um, but because there many of us, we have trusted in things just working for us and not realised that we've moved our trust from the rock, from Jesus Christ, from the sure foundation to something that is actually shifting Something that we thought was always, well, supply chain, there's always going to be stuff. That's a sure foundation. Or I can just do what I want as long as I have the money. That's going to be a sure foundation. That's always, I can go to New South Wales. Surely that's a sure foundation. We can go, you just can't come back. You know, but that's, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be fine. But suddenly we find ourselves in a moment where it's not as smooth. And the invitation once again from God is, would you come back to me, would you come back? Would you place your trust? Would you place your strength? Would you place your hope on the only thing that doesn't change? Jesus Christ. So what does completeness give us? It gives us a sure foundation. And number two, really quickly, it gives us a well to draw from. The completeness of unconditional love found in Jesus means that we aren't constantly looking to others to fill our need for love. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that we don't need friends or that you don't need people that fill your emotional tanks. We all need people that fill our emotional tanks. Even pastors, I know, who would have thought, need people, white pastors, that fill their emotional tanks. We all need that. But when we have found our security in Jesus, there is a well of life-giving water flowing to us that we're able to draw from, not just for ourselves, but to be able to give to others. In the Bible, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at a well. In John chapter 4, they have a conversation. Here's part of it. Verse 10 says this, Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. If you know this passage of Scripture uh, you would know that Jesus continues his conversation and he challenges this woman's past history of relationships. He calls her to truth, but he does it in a grace-filled way because of this living water from the Father that's flowing out of him to her. We can carry that same living water to make an impact on the people that we meet each and every day, each and every day. We can't extend grace to others without love because grace comes out of love. See, we extend grace. Remember, working definition of grace is giving people more than they deserve. So more than they deserve. We won't extend grace to anyone unless we first love them. But how can we love quite easily? Because we're drawing from a well that's not our own. 
because we're drawing from a love that's not our own because Jesus isn't just someone who loves people, but Jesus is God and God is love. Last, last verse, just as the worship team comes and joins me. 1 John 4.16 says this, We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in His love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. So let's remember that completeness, the completeness you have found in Jesus doesn't just impact your life, but it transforms, the heart is that it transforms everyone around you. And I believe that at this time, with so much upheaval and change going on in the world, we cannot afford to be distracted by things that are less important than the main thing. What is the main thing? Bringing the love of God to a hurt and broken world. Everything else is pushed to the side. Everything else is nowhere near as remarkable as understanding God's love for us and how He wants to use us to show that love to others. How He, how he wants that, that spring of living water, that spring of living water that comes from Him to bubble up out of ourselves and impact other people. And so let there be an understanding of a sure foundation that we stand on.